That's Canadian composer and drummer Lori Wolfe during a performance with her bandmates at a Toronto nightclub. Her group is called Queen Kong, and she's on drums. She's a regular act at Klez Canada and also at the Ashkenaz Festival. But for the past 25 years, Wolfe has also been fighting for justice as a survivor of sexual assault by her family's close friend, a Toronto physician, Dr. Leon Herman. It happened when Wolf was 17 and a student at CHAT, a Toronto private Jewish high school. The doctor was in his early 50s. She had acne. He said he could help if she came alone on a weekend to his office at Bathurst and Wilson. When it was over, the doctor told her she was beautiful. He gave her $100 to buy drums for her burgeoning music career. And Wolf kept her attack a secret for years until her parents read her diary. But instead of going to the police, they went to an Orthodox Jewish rabbinical court known as a Beit Din. The doctor admitted it all, he paid a fine, and he continued practicing medicine for another 15 years. After years of therapy and with a family of her own now, Wolf felt she had to do more. So before the pandemic, she went to the police. The doctor was charged, the trial started, then he fled the country to Israel during the lockdown, and the case was withdrawn. Then last year, the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons stripped the doctor of his medical license. Now, Lori Wolf is speaking publicly for the first time about why the Jewish community protected her attacker instead of her. I never got an apology. I never got an acknowledgement. Basically, what I got was a check and a go away. And I, I said this as a 22-year-old, I said this to uh, whichever one of the two rabbis was there. I said, look, he's a predator. Like He needs like someone in the room with him if he's going to do examinations on women, don't you think? And they said, that's not our problem. I'm Ellen Basner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, May the 16th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. If you haven't yet read Lori Wolf's personal essay that she wrote for the CJN, we published it last week, and the link is in our show notes. It's a story she's been drafting for a long time, but she was only legally allowed to publish now, although the College of Physicians and Surgeons did put their scathing findings about the doctor on its website, and we put a link to that in our show notes too, so you can read it. Now, since the story's come out, Lori Wolf has started to hear from other women who knew of similar experiences at the hands of this same doctor. Coming up, the Toronto musician will be here to tell us more and why she finally feels vindicated. But first this important message. From award-winning journalist Marsha Lederman comes Kiss the Red Stairs, a compelling memoir of Holocaust survival, intergenerational trauma, divorce, and discovery that will guide readers through several lifetimes of monumental change. Marsha was five when a simple question led to a horrifying answer. She asked her mother why she didn't have any grandparents. Her mother told her the truth, the Holocaust. Decades later, her parents dead and herself a mother to a young son, Marsha begins to wonder how much history has shaped her own life. Reeling in the wake of a divorce, she craves her parents' help. But in their absence, she is gripped by a need to understand the trauma they suffered, and she begins her own journey into the past to tell her family stories of loss and resilience. Kiss the Red Stairs, available now wherever books are sold. We're not going to cover the other news highlights that we usually do in our shows today, so we can get right to this extended interview with Lori Wolf, who joins me now from her Toronto home. 
Can we go back a bit in time? I want to know what you were like as a 17 year old. What kind of kid were you? What did you do for hobbies? What, what kind of person were you before? I saw myself, I already saw myself as a musician. Um, I was from like, I wore long skirts and, and I, uh, I was very artsy. I played the guitar. I'd like busk in the hallway of chat with a guitar. Um, and, and, you know, I was a happy, fun, lighthearted kid. I, I loved everybody. I was, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people person. Um, the next day after the incident, I was in the car with a, with a classmate. I was in charge of the costume design for our school play, Peter Pan. And the next day we, we had gone shopping um, for costumes at Byway or something. And I was thinking, should I tell her? Should I tell her? Should I tell her? And she wasn't a friend of mine, but I was just bursting. I was like, I was so angry and upset. And, and the rest of the year was just, my, my last year of high school was just a blur. Um, it was awful. And the report said that he gave you a hundred bucks. Is that right? Yeah. And what did he tell you to do with the money? And <laughs> this is so triggering. Sorry. Give me a sec. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was so like, I was like in already in like a state of like, like disbelief and, and like, like, like scared shitless. Um, and then to have him hand money to me after was like, am I a prostitute? Like I, I had no idea what, why he was handing me money or what I had done. Um, why, why, why is this happening? Like, it, it was just like, um, and I was stoned or drunk or whatever he put in my, like, I, I had no idea what he put into that. I, I know it was liquid and I know he poured it into my coffee. It was like, it was like vodka or alcohol or something, right? At the very least, I know it was, it was alcohol. Cause he said it was, but there could have been something else in it. We'll never know. Uh, but uh, so you thought he was paying you for sex or something, or he no, thought he, he was paying he didn't you rape me in a weird way. Sorry, people who are squeamish. Uh, he molested me, took off my clothes and, and no sexual me. assault. There was no, there was a sexual assault. Yes. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, horrible, but it, it wasn't rape. So I, I don't want to think he raped me. Um, Did you take the hundred dollars? Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to get out of there. I'm like, sure. Give me an elephant. I don't care. Get me out of here. I took it and I ran like I, I didn't know what to do. Um, Did your parents know you were going to his office uh, for on, on? Was it a Sunday? I guess if you were from you it would have been. I, I, this is also a painful part of the story. You know, my mother says she didn't know. I think she did. She says she was out of town. I, I don't remember. Her. I don't know. She, it, it's it's uh, there was no sense in trying to like. Get comfort for my parents like they they weren't they they they, they came from like you know, post-Holocaust Europe. You know, they were survivors or DP camp? My mother's a, a literal survivor. She was born in 43. Um, and my dad was born in 46 in Poland and Romania. My dad's from Poland. And you didn't talk to the authorities. You didn't tell them stuff. The, you know, the Revies were there to help you they, and, and the, all the elderly people. You just didn't do that. Like, so they either like pretended it never happened or said it wasn't such a big deal. Never would they go to the authorities. You know, it doesn't help either way. It's neither here nor there. You know, I, I took care of it. <laughs> I, I lived with it. I, uh, I knew about it. I thought about it every day um, for years. Uh, and, you know, my parent, while my parent, when, at the point where my parents didn't know for about five years or so, you know, they were in touch. They had a, they owned a house together. Uh, they, my sister was friends with her, their daughter. You know, my parents were trying to set me up with their son. It was hell. Uh, they would send enormous porn baskets to each other. It was, it was horrible. 
I'm not sure if I'm answering your questions here. I you are. Thank you. Did you, why do I, I kind of, I'm not come from a religious background. Uh, so I want to understand this, if you can help. Why did you think uh, it was important to go to a Jewish rabbinical court or a Beit Dean? I had nothing to do with it. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't want to, when my parents found out, they, they called all the shots. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. And like, like I said before, it didn't matter that they went to a rabbinical authority. It mattered that they didn't go to the cops. I think it's like, it's kind of like a triple layer. One, avoid the authorities at any cost, like the, like the civil authorities. Two, avoid airing the, the dirty laundry. Uh, they didn't want to bring shame upon, you know, the Jews. Uh, three, uh, let the, I guess in, in, a, in a way they want to let the community know what was up with this guy and, and handle it internally. The College um, of Physicians and Surgeons used some very strong language about what this doctor did. Are you happy with those words since now it's online for anyone to see, right? Very, oh, yeah. very strong. They hit it on the head. They hit it on the head. They, they, really, they really didn't mince words. And this is something I was missing this entire time. What message does this send to the, I mean, this was, you know, 20 years ago, but what message do you think that sends to other women uh, or men who are victims of sexual predators within the religious Jewish community of Toronto? Um, if it's brought to their attention, they'll do something that resembles like, uh, you know, like some sort of trial and they'll, they'll, they'll ask him if it's true. He did come clean. You know, like my parents were in the room. I wasn't, I wasn't there at the time. I was only there for the outcome. They never put me in a room with him. I suppose they're trying to protect me. Um, and, uh, what is the message? There, there was no, like, I guess the message is, it just, it's not a big deal. It happens and we'll fix it with the check. You know, no, no attempt was given to, you know, offer me some sort of health, like mental health was not like a, a big topic back then. So they paid out something to the Beit Dean? No, but Herman was issued a fine for the Beit Dean, which he agreed to pay. Um, and do you know how much it was? Yeah, it was given directly to me. Would you like to say? No. Mm -hmm. So you did get compensation, but he never apologized then. He never said anything, but he did own it at the time. So that's why I thought when I went to trial. But you never heard it yourself. No, he apologized to my dad or something. It it felt like, you know, it felt very biblical. Like, you know what I'm saying? It felt very like, oh, I stole your cow. Sorry. That's that's what it felt like. And now, again, the CPSO uh, says he's never shown remorse to them. He didn't even bother to show up. He said he couldn't because of Zoom or he fled to Israel. Do you want any contact with him? Um, no, no, he, he I, nothing. I, I, I don't believe he could ever be genuine. I mean, the guy's a consummate liar. Like, why would I believe a word he says? Um, he's pathetic. Like he, uh, he preys on vulnerable women and, and, and assaults them. Like, what do I need to hear from the guy? I, mean, I don't want to talk to him. You said women, uh, Lori. Tell me, since the story has come out, uh, you've learned other people, maybe more than you, have had this experience. What, can you tell us a bit about that? Well, he had a doctor page, like one of those uh, Rate My MD pages. I'm sure you've seen them. And uh, I wish to God that I'd had the frame of mind to take screenshots because as soon as he was charged, they disappeared. Really? I mean, they were allegations from women about him being very not cool, uh, digging into their bras, making irresponsible comments that a doctor shouldn't be saying. 
uh, like one, you. five, ten more. Like how many? Do you five or so. I mean, it's not a very popular platform. Mm -hmm. but I did go looking. Oh, and 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 so like as soon as I posted on Facebook, um, I, I, a woman called me. She had known his wife, and she said there were like, and this is all hearsay. This is all third person. She says there are others. She, he, and the word she used she, in her words, he molested a lot of people. This was unsolicited. This is something she just, she wrote to me. So like five minutes after I posted, she wrote to me and, and told me all this stuff about him. And how many, so you're finding this out now. Uh, what does that make you feel like? How does knowing that you weren't the only one? I mean, maybe good, maybe bad. It's, uh, it's a little awful because, you know, I wish I'd had this strength 20 years ago to do this on my own and prevent a lot of other women from being hurt. The stigma is terrible. It took me years to work up the bravery to come forward. Are you still religious, observant? Um, yes, sort of. I, uh, I keep Shabbat. I like Shabbat. Uh, I haven't, I mean, I, uh, I keep kosher to an extent. I certainly, like, I, I kind of rely less on authority. <laughs> I kind of like, this is kosher. I don't need to, like, I don't need a stamp on this. This is fine. Um, so I'm a lot more lenient with that. Uh, and would you like to know why? <laughs> so I used to work in his office. So that's how I got, to, that's how we got to know me, I guess. And uh, he sent us out with some money to Marquis across the street. Remember Marquis and Wilson and Bathurst at the time? He sent us out with some, he sent me out with some money to buy some sandwich fixings and, and bring it back for lunch. So I did that, you know, I bought some turkey and some bread. I come back and I'm thirsty. So I go into the kitchen cupboard, I get a, I get a mug, I fill it with water and I start to drink as one does. And he looks at me, he yells at me, he goes, how dare you put that milchik cup to your fleshic lips? Kashri was very important to him apparently. And every single time I eat something treif, I say, this one's for you, asshole. Are you hoping that sort of this, the grapevine social media will flush him out so he'll hear that you finally went public? I mean, what do you want now? I want to get on with it. I spent a lot of my time, a lot of my years uh, working on this. This was at least a five, six, I mean, if you want to go from the date of the, uh, of the incident of the, we're talking, you know, over 20 years of like dealing with this, many therapies, much medication. Uh, and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out where I feel comfortable and I've never felt healthier. Doing this was cathartic, even though it didn't have the most ideal outcome. I feel that I did what I had to do, and I don't wake. I don't think about this anymore in the same way. I feel much better. I'm done dealing with the Herman thing. The, the final, uh, the nail in the coffin was the article, because I felt it was really important that everybody heard about this, because uh, it has to stop. Um, and, uh, but personally, I'm done. It's been an honor to hear your story. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us on the CJ and daily. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. A spokesman for the Toronto rabbinical court, Rabbi Asher Vale says he didn't handle Wolf's case because back when it was heard, he hadn't started to work there yet. So he checked with another longtime rabbi who was there at the time. And he also doesn't remember it. Bale says it could have been handled by an ad hoc tribunal of rabbis and not directly inside the Beit Din itself. 
In an email, he calls the attack a, quote, horrific incident and that he's personally disgusted and saddened. A spokesman for the Ontario Attorney General's Department says the trial was cancelled halfway through because with the accused out of the country and a backlog of cases during COVID, they didn't think they could win. Plus, the suspect is supposed to get a hearing within 18 months of being charged, and COVID made that impossible. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you like the CJN Daily, why not recommend it to a friend? Send them the link or show them how to subscribe and get all the other great episodes that we've done. Today's listener shout-out goes to Zane Colt in Toronto, and we'll end with a little bit of Lori Wolf's music from her new album, which comes out May 27th. This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C., Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.